Welcome to Stop Telling and Start Listening with David Cook. If you're frustrated with the way we are speaking or not speaking to each other, if you find yourself easily at odds in your conversations with people, this may be just the show for you. Listen in as David and his guests will help you elevate your communication skills and navigate the tensions present in many conversations today. Now, here is David Cook. All right, let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. I'm your host, David Cook. You know, each week I look forward to this um, Monday afternoon, kicking off the Monday the way we do. It's I'm blessed with this opportunity to explore the power of listening and the impact great listening behaviors have on building trust, improving relationships, and solving complex problems. And I think what makes this hour so special for me is I get to have powerful conversations with thought leaders who are living their commitment to productive communication and celebrating the impact their effective listening activities have on the lives of those they are working with. And so I am thrilled and grateful that you're joining me on this journey. Uh, today, I have a really special guest. It's a, a longtime friend of mine, somebody I've known um, for over 15 years when I first moved to uh, Phoenix, is Lori Silverman. And um, Lori is going to talk to us, talk with us uh, a, a little bit about um, listening um, from another perspective. Um, as you know, we, this is our eighth episode, and every one of our previous seven episodes, one of the things that we have dove into at some point in time has been the talk, the importance of hearing, listening, learning from the stories of others. And um, most of this activity is, is centered around creating a safe space for someone to share their story and making a commitment to listening to it without correction, judgment, or interruption. Uh, Lori is an expert on story, um, how we create them, how we listen to them, and how we learn from them. And for the past 30 years, which, Lori, you're dating yourself. Now, you must have started this when you were in kindergarten. But for the past 30 years, Lori has helped businesses strategize about their future and help them navigate messy, complex changes that, um, and make smarter database decisions, all by leading with story. Well, we're not going to get into... Um, the data side of it, in that sense, the the deep the deep spot of it. But um, as we navigate our listening and learning, I thought it would be a great opportunity to have somebody like Lori dive in with us and talk about story from her perspective, how we listen, how we learn from their stories, and how our how we share our stories so that people can can learn more about us. So I thought this would be great to have you on the show at this point in time halfway through our original 13 episode engagement. So welcome, Lori. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here and halfway through. Yeah, well, it's perfect timing because we have mentioned story a lot. And I know um, you've written some you've written some books on story. And also, too, I, I didn't mention in the intro, but I'm kind of I was honored. I think that you referenced my when I got hit by a bike, uh, hit by a car on my bike. And how that my my journey with my bike was a story, a critical story for me. So um, I've been honored to be referenced in one of your books. So that's pretty cool too. So yeah, we used you in um, business storytelling for dummies, um, and the reason we did was because your situation was um, illuminated something that people forget about with story, and that is from whose perspective do you want to tell the story? So the way we talk about it in the book is, do we tell that story from your perspective as the person who's been hit or from the perspective of the person who was driving the car or from a perspective of maybe someone in another vehicle who witnessed the accident or 
a pedestrian on the street who saw it or the police officer who I'm assuming came to the scene and uh, then took your um, uh, uh, your words about what happened. Um, and, and, and that's an, a, a more critical decision than I think people realize. You don't just say, oh, I'm gonna tell a story. You have to think about, well, whose perspective matters and then from that perspective, what's the lesson that goes with that story that needs to be communicated if you're talking about a business context? Mm -hmm. no, it's interesting because um, uh, we, you know, that's one of the, you know, the critical things that I focus on from a selfless listening point of view is paying attention to the person who's sharing the story. And you use the word perspective. For me, perspective is very important because um, the person who's telling the story is it, telling their story is sharing how they see the world, how they've experienced the world, how it forms their thoughts, their decisions, their behaviors, that kind of stuff. And, 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 you know, a lot of times we inject ourselves into somebody's story. And when we do that, we change the perspective because now it's about our perspective, not that not theirs. Is that is that a simple summary? You know, yes, we would say you've hijacked the story if you do oh. that. Um, and 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 the perspective that we use when we talk about listening is one that Doug Lipman uh, coined many, many years ago in his books. And that's how do you listen delightedly to someone who's sharing a story? And that's different than when you ask a question for information. And I think that's what people don't recognize. So asking questions, wanting information is one way to have a conversation. But another way to have a conversation is to prompt for a story. And, and please note that I didn't say use a question to get mm. at a story, because when you ask a question, people filter their response to you. And mm. they will only give you that segment of information that you asked for. And so one of the arts and sciences in the field of story is how do you prompt for a story so that you genuinely get one. Well, then I'm going to ask you that question. How do you, because <laughs> that, that's, that, that's an interesting, <laughs> well, that's an interesting, very interesting distinction because um, I, um, my premise, my teaching is just that, is find ways to ask probing, thought-provoking questions to get people talking and sharing and stuff like that. And you said, that's that's a way, but you're going to get people to respond to your question and you spun it and said, let's talk about how you prompt somebody to engage in the conversation where a story emerges from the, the that interaction. So um, I'm going to give it back to you. How, how do you do that then? You know, what's the what's the secret sauce if there is one or what are the steps to get getting to that? Um, actually, there is a secret sauce and there is one um, very general phrase, if I can talk about that for just a moment and, and kind of tease it apart, and then I'll give you some variations of that phrase. Uh, and you often hear this phrase in job interviews, if you have a good interviewer. The interviewer will start by saying, tell me about. Mm. And what's important about that phrase is that they did not say, tell me why, tell me who, tell me when, tell me where, which are all rephrasing of a question. Tell me about starts to suggest that my brain search for a situation. Now, the back end of that statement is as important as the front end. So let me give you a very current example that people have been asking me in the past um, 
uh, three days since I've returned from a month-long pilgrimage to Egypt. Everyone keeps saying to me, tell me about your trip to Egypt. Hmm. <laughs> like, that's too big. That's too big to tell me about. What you really want to do when you're prompting for a story is ask for one. So it could be, tell me about the most memorable moment in your trip to Egypt. Or tell me about a situation that happened to you where you said, I will never be the same person again. Or tell me about um, that uh, moment when you first landed in Egypt and met your Egyptian host at two o'clock in the morning. All of those are singular situations. Now, the memorable one I might have to search for, for example, in my brain, because quite frankly, there were many memorable moments. But if you say to me the most memorable or the one that is, is still rolling around in your brain today, even though you've been home now for a few days, then I know what to access. And what's really cool about that is the human brain codifies experience as story narrative in the brain. So when we ask for a story the way that I've suggested, the person shares the totality of the situation and they tell us more than they ever intended to reveal. Hmm. They might share things like their personality temperament. They won't tell us what it is, but we'll get an idea. They might tell us about their values or what's important to them. Um, or they might give away, um, you referenced my age. They might reference their age in it, you know, and, and give you a sense of, of what generation they're from or what their perspective and or where they grew up uh, based upon what they say. And so that's the beauty of prompting for a story is that we get more than we ever intended to hear. On the other hand, it makes the teller more vulnerable. Hmm. Sometimes people are like, ooh, ooh, I, I don't know if I really want to tell that. And I've even said that to people like over the last 48 hours with some of my friends, I've said, I don't know if I'm ready to tell that story yet. Because I have to be in a really good mental and emotional place to share some of the things that happened to me because they were so profound. And the same is true with others around us. So we have we have to acknowledge that about them too. Mm -hmm. So um, even with the tell me about going in in the in the focused, the nicely, I like the way you focused it because if I say tell me about it, it's too broad, it's too big. Um, but back to the last thing that you said, uh, you know, because we're we're big on creating this, creating a safe place for people to be able to feel comfortable sharing their story. It sounds to me like even if you're in a safe place, you have to be ready to share that story. I mean, is the, is that is there, is there is there again a secret sauce to that? Like, how do you how, how do you know or how do you gauge or do, do you just ask the question see how people respond? Well, you can ask the prompt and see how people respond. I think it's about creating that that warmth and the trust and you know all of those other things but but let, then let me step back from that i've done activities with hundreds and hundreds of people in an audience who've never known each other where i've paired them up and 
had each of them answer a specific story prompt to the other. And people have cried, hmm. men and women. Yet the prompt wouldn't suggest that that would be an emotional response. What it is is that we often aren't asked to tell our stories. We're often only asked to provide information. And so that someone would express an interest in our story and in us. And by the way, listening delightedly is not interrupting as the person is sharing the story. But if you think about listening delightedly, you know, leaning in, even if you're like um, on the telephone, it can be standing up and leaning in um, in a metaphorical sort of way. Um, uh, truly paying attention to the other person, making eye contact if that's the protocol. You know, it might not be in, in a, a Native American setting, for example, with children, because it would be a deference to an adult not to look in the eye. Um, so all of these things in and of themselves can help the situation and that I'm quiet as I'm hearing what someone is saying. And that person, as they're telling the story, is likely reliving it. And that's where the emotional response is coming in. So then how do you hold space, right? How do you hold that psychological safety in the room? And to do that, what we say is at the end, when someone's done sharing their story, the first thing you wanna do is thank them for sharing it and then still keep the focus on them. So it could be, tell me what you liked about your own story or tell me what meaning that story holds for you today, but it's nothing about you, mm. nothing about you. It's all still about them. Because even if you think about this in a parent-child situation or in a work situation, just using those sorts of statements cause people to have their own ahas and realizations and to feel heard and acknowledged. Like, wow, you actually heard me. Interesting. Yeah. So we don't we don't allow the other person to say anything about themselves or about the story until they've gone a little bit deeper into the story itself. And it's not asking questions about the story. You know, it's not, did I hear you correctly when you said, or you got this out of order? No, no, no. Everybody, when they tell a story for the first time, is going to get it out of order. It's a raw story. <laughs> you know, so it's it's just how do we honor that? But what we know, and I know from having done this for Lord knows many years with strangers, is people will self-report afterwards with a complete stranger if each of them have shared a story and listened delightedly to it, that they feel as though they've made a new friend. Wow. That trust gets built that fast. And so we now know, I mean, we now have some hints about why that is um, in terms of brain research. I will tell you that when I started doing this work back in the early 2000s, we didn't know. We didn't understand. We just conjectured. Um, but now I can say to people, I know I have the research to show you why this is the case. Um, so I don't know if that helps to answer your question, but um, something happens that's quite magical in that. In those moments when right. people choose to interact in that way. Well, um, 
the second half of that thing is 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 fascinating for me. So the the first piece I get, you know, uh, I like the way you you know create a prompt that initiates, encourages, whatever, invites somebody to share a story. And I'm thinking, um, you know, for me, I try obviously I I like to acknowledge the story, but I do acknowledge the story by creating a relate. And what you're saying to me is creating a lay a relay actually shifts it where I've related it back to me and that is can has the potential likely potential to kill the 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 story is that is that correct or at least the 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 trust that comes from having shared the story and so yeah I, I want to we're gonna have to watch my break here but you know, straighten that out for me a little bit that second piece what do I do after I hear the story? Well, first of all, as we shared to, to um, and what you said, to thank people and mm -hmm. then to keep the focus on them. Because if we're asking for a story, we want people to do something with it. We're not listening to a story to listen to a story, right? I mean, I'm not doing it for no darn good reason. So what I'm thinking about is I like to hear from people what they liked about their situation, even if it was tragic. What did you like about what you told me? And I also like to hear about either what meaning, like I said, what meaning it holds for them or what lesson it holds for them or, or what, it, what does it suggest to them today? Because it's a reinforcement of the lesson. And if I've asked for the story, chances are I have a very good reason for having asked for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's something I want to be reinforced. And that whatever that person says, may not only be an aha for them, it could be an aha for me too. Because mm -hmm. I could learn in that moment as well. And so why would I want to interrupt them when mm -hmm. I don't know what that what that meaning or lesson is? Because uh, it feels like it's taking it then to its logical conclusion. I mean, there's many other things you can ask the person. You know, if, if you had your druthers, what might you have done different in the situation? Things like that. But, you know, more often I like to honor it as it happened, because what we know is we can never change the story. What we can change is our interpretation of it, mm -hmm. their interpretation and the lesson they take away from it. Right. Upon experience, upon reflection, upon sharing it a few more times, they see the story in a different light, in a different context. But the the piece is for us is we hear the story and then we learn more about the story by the way we follow up with it. Is that pretty much it? So we're staying in the story. Yes. And then I'd say to you, why do you feel any need at all? Mm. Yeah. Why do you feel any need at all to share your perspective? Why? Yeah. What, what, what does it add to the situation? And, and I think that, that that for me is really important. Um, but I personally have um, a situation in my life where I have changed the lesson that goes with a story from a very tragic situation to an unbelievably lovely ending. Because mm -hmm. after a period of seven years, I had an aha one moment that that situation was not negative. It was one of the most positive, loving moments of my life. Mm -hmm. And so that's the, that's what we get when we continue to retell stories. And then people ask us for what was the meaning. Got it. Well, we might have to talk about that some more because I have some too, as you know. So. Uh... When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've learned from how we share stories and how we might be able to use that that wisdom um, to learn from other people's stories as well. So hang in there. We'll be back after this break. Thank you. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We are living in a time where a relentless commitment to opinions and beliefs are dividing communities and fracturing crucial relationships. Making ourselves right and those who disagree with us wrong leaves little room for engaging in a constructive learning dialogue. There is little opportunity to change minds, find common ground, or solve complex problems. Those who are not being heard or understood become angry, hurt, lost, isolated, alone, and more. While mental health-related issues are on the rise, too few know how to safely share their struggles, and far too many don't know how to care about those that do. While it is increasingly frustrating to experience an increase in this communication divide, there is hope. And according to David Cook, there is an answer. The answer lies in how we adjust our communication style and shift our listening behaviors. In his radio show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook introduces his audiences to the power found in creating a safe place for sharing life perspectives and experiences without judgment, criticism, correction, or shame. There are tremendous opportunities in learning to see the world from the eyes of another. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific. Discover how shifting your listening behaviors will close the divide that exists between you and others in your community. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is David Cook. Stop telling and start listening with my great guest, Lori Silverman. And before we took a break, Lori was talking about a clear differentiation between asking questions to gather information and creating prompts to hear a story. It was pretty cool how um, very distinctly different um, those two behaviors are. The other thing that I really that I took away from that, um, Lori, was the the idea being is, is that stay in the story. You acknowledge somebody sharing something very powerful and insightful. And you probe or create a prompt for more discussion about that. How'd you feel about it? What'd you learn from it? It's, it's interesting because you're staying in the story and you're learning what that the impact of that story and that message has for the individual, what it means to them or why it's important. I thought that was really cool. Um, but, you know, as, as you were talking, I'm thinking, and we talked about this really quickly during break, you know, I'm, I'm naturally predisposed. I can walk up to anybody anywhere at any time and engage them. Um, if I feel so inclined, I will. My kids kind of laugh at it. There are other people who see um, anybody asking them a, a personal question is kind of invading their private space. I don't know you. I don't trust you. Who are you? Even if we've been working together for a while, there's, you know, people create these definition of boundaries. Um, so I, I get it for somebody who's naturally inclined to engage. How do we help the people who go, those are, that's, that's really venturing into deep territory very quickly or d deep territory without a lot of permission. How do we, how, how do we navigate that? Well, um, 
My first reaction to that is um, you and I, because of our work, and especially me, I think as a keynote speaker, we define the line between public information, private information, and intimate information far different than the general public. You know, a lot of what I share in keynote talks, people might consider to be private information, but it's the through the stories that I tell that other people learn, right? So, so that that line is quite blurred for me. But if you think about um, people. Uh, after a weekend, I'm, I'm specifically thinking about uh, growing up in Wisconsin um, during football season with the Green Bay Packers and, you know, everybody and you are like the Detroit Lions, right? I mean, so um, I'm from Detroit, but not the Lions. But anyway, not it's the Lions, okay. but a different team. Um, but, you know, what's it like um, Monday morning when people are kind of gathering for work again. And, and today it might not be, you know, where they're gathering in person, but they're gathering online, right? And they're having their chit chats. People are talking. You can use story prompts in those situations too. I mean, it doesn't have to be about the deepest, darkest parts of your life. It it can be around instead of, you know, saying, hey, what'd you do this weekend? You know, you know, Tell me about the highlight of your weekend. It can be that simple, right? Um, so it, that's a way I think of just starting to um, test using a skill like this. Um, you know, obviously people who work in uh, fields like human resources, marketing, sales, these, these prompts are unbelievably critical to their work. I mean, because without them, they're not going to get the contextual information that they need to be able to move forward with what they're doing. But for other people, maybe not so much, right? Because we don't, we we have um, lots of um, conflict around, um, should I be friends with someone in the workplace? I happen to feel that you can be friends, but you know, again, that's a whole different perspective. Most of my friends are my clients or my former clients. Um, but everybody doesn't feel that way. So I think you have to figure out safe situations where you can do that. I um, mean, even as a leader. So, you know, when you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with an employee, you know, um, if you're trying to get at a problem situation, you might, you know, say, tell me about the situation that sparked that issue. And then just be mm -hmm. silent. Just be silent. Don't ask for information. Ask for the story. Now, what leaders are going to say to you is, I don't got time to listen. Mm. I've had leaders say that to me thousands of times. And my comment to them is, here's what's going to happen. You're going to ask them 100 questions. And then you're still going to come back to them later that day or the next day or the next day and ask them more questions because you still don't know the whole situation. So you know what? How about the first time you get the whole scenario? Just ask for the story. Take five minutes, 10 minutes. And if you don't have that amount of time, an employee comes to you and says, oh, my gosh, you won't believe what just happened to me. Right. And you don't want to hear it right then and there. You can say, you know, tell me the, the Twitter version. <laughs> the story, you know, and then I can decide how much time to allot in my calendar for you, you know, or I've got time later on today to listen to you, mm -hmm. um, you know, because that's the other side of this. It's not just do I feel comfortable asking, but do I have time to listen? I get more of that than I do. I can't do the prompting piece. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I just that, that that takes a long time, Lori. And the answer is, well, yeah, kind of. But, you know, you waste a lot of time now. So when would you rather waste it? Right. You want to do it up front or, you know, over the course of the next three days. 
So a good practice exercise for those who are listening going, I don't see myself diving into the deep end of the pool um, for a story. Recognizing you could practice prompts on simple, safe stuff like, how was your weekend? Tell me about your weekend. Tell me about, I heard you went to the football game. Tell me about the football game. What did you like? What was your favorite? All Wait, right. Gotta rephrase that though, right? Oh, I mean, go ahead. Right. And I love how you did this. So I want to use an example you just gave. You can say, I heard you went to the football game this weekend. You know, tell me, tell me what it was. Tell me about that moment when you saw XYZ play occur on the field. Yeah. But you really have to think about the wording of it because again, you're asking questions. And the other thing I find is a lot of people will ask a beautiful prompt and then follow it up with three questions. Nah, you just got to stop. <laughs> oh, it's that one statement. Yeah. I heard you Let's... went to the football game. Tell me about that moment when you saw that play where Devontae Adams, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Raiders fan now too, because um, I live in <laughs> Vegas. You know, tell me about that moment when Devontae Adams, you know, caught that pass and it seems so improbable that he would. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you, as you said that, I'm thinking, you know, my uh, my grandson, um, his, you know, my daughter and her husband, their two boys went to see the Packers play the Bills at the Bills the end of October. Because, uh, you know, my grandson's a huge Bills fan. My daughter's a huge Packers fan. So you can relate to that. And when he came back, I said to him, this is interesting because I went for information. I didn't go for a story. I said, what was your favorite part of the weekend? The game. And that was all he said. Because he gave me, he answered the question. So if I had said, tell me about your weekend, what was your favorite? You know, tell me about your weekend. No, tell me about the favorite part of your weekend. You're telling me about your favorite part of the weekend. I'm encouraging him to tell me a story. And if he says, well, it was the game, then it's tell me more. What about the game was so important? No, just tell me more. Tell, tell me more. Tell okay. Me more. Tell me more. Or I can just say, go on. Go yeah. on. I go on. I'm listening. That's often to people, especially on the phone. Go on. I'm listening. And people will often say to me, even on the phone, if I'm using this listening technique, are you still there? So once in a while, I might say, uh-huh. Yeah. You know, just to say, just to get, let them know that I'm, I'm still, uh, I haven't put them on mute because that's people's greatest fear. But yes, with your grandson, that would have been perfect because he did exactly what you said. He answered the question, two words. And that is a perfect scenario within which to practice at home with kids, with grandkids, with friends, with relatives, even for me, because I live on the Las Vegas Strip, I'm out a couple nights a week at concerts, and I do it with strangers. At, you know, if I'm getting a bite to eat at a bar, and people will turn, they'll start talking to me, and I'll um, ask a story prompt. Sometimes that's to keep from talking about me, yeah. right? Because I don't want to share. And then I can learn more about them. And people love to talk especially about themselves. They'll go on and on and on. Yeah, I learned that in sales a long time ago. Everybody's favorite subject is themselves. So give them a platform to talk about themselves and, you, and you'll learn from that. You know, but it's, it's really interesting because I'm, I'm just thinking about all the times I ask questions and I get an answer. But I, and so I'm getting information, but I'm not hearing the story. I'm not being able, I'm not in, getting pulled into the experience. And the experience is, is where the learning is. Exactly. So that's a perfect opportunity for you to say, let me rephrase that. And I do want to, if it's okay with you, just tell you phrases that won't work and other phrases you can use. So yes, please. Things because these are taught. 
in communication classes and they will not work. So saying things like explain to me, describe to me, give me the details or a phrase I like to use a lot, help me to understand is not going to mm. get you free. Say those, say those again. These are don'ts. Okay. These are don'ts. Describe for me, explain to me, give me the details, help me to understand, clarify this for me. Those are all informational. Mm. So on the other side, if you want to use something other than tell me about or tell me a story about, and the reason I put the word story in there is if you're dealing with people like um, on my trip to Egypt, uh, there was a woman who is a nuclear scientist, like for real <laughs> and very brainy. I love really brainy people. But if I'm going to, if I want to get a story, I probably have to ask for a story. Tell me a story about because they'll look at me and go, you sure you want to hear one? Yes, I do. Because mm. they've been taught as they've gone through the educational system, especially as you get a PhD, that it's about sound bites, not stories. And we're looking for the opposite. Now, other phrases you could use could be build me a story about or enlighten me about a time when or paint the full picture for me about a situation or share with me a memory about. Mm. So though those are other phrases that work. And what you have to find for yourself is that comfortable kind of one or two go-to phrases that work for you so that you don't get from your grandson, oh, my highlight was the game, and that you get a mm -hmm. little bit more than that. Yeah. And I, I, again, back to what, what, I, what I hear when you do those things. The second thing is... is I've created a platform where my expectation is I'm expecting you to tell me, to share with me something bigger than just an answer. I want to, I'm expecting a story. I'm expecting an extended conversation. I'm expecting, um, looking forward to hearing something much bigger than just a nugget, a soundbite. Correct. And your nonverbals better agree with that. So it could be that you go from standing to sitting down. Hmm. Or you lean, like I said, you lean in a little bit. Or you make yourself more available. Hmm. You know, okay, so I'm sorry. So it's not not only uh, so I, I I set the situation. What you're saying is you have to set the situation both verbally and not verbally. People, the UQ, yeah, I'm sitting down for I'm sitting down to, to for a fireside chat. Share with me a story. Yes. Right. Mm. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Uh yeah, and that's why you have to have the time. Now, you don't know how long it's going to take for that person to tell you the story, because quite frankly, some people are very succinct with their stories. And then there are other people, as we well know, that could take 30 to 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. So you might have to say to them, I need, you know, tell me the abbreviated version of the story if you know through past history that you're going to get a half hour, mm -hmm. unless you got a half hour to listen. So you're saying I have permission when I know somebody's long-winded or verbose or goes into the gritty details to try to create some construct around the time I can do that? Yes, especially in a work situation. Okay. I, I, I'm hesitating because I'm thinking about my mother who um, over the years who if I called and asked her about the highlight of her day. She might even tell me about every single item that she had at lunch, you know, and that could yeah. take 15 minutes to answer. So, um, 
so there's this kind of like give and take around how do I do it in a way that's still um, not only listening delightedly, but with loving kindness mm -hmm. to the other person. Because I, today for me, where I am in my life is I can't listen without loving kindness to someone else. I, I just can't. Mm -hmm. Years ago, I think I was a different person and I didn't quite know how to do that very well. But today I tell people I have all the time in the world to listen. And mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. Um, because the way I've designed my life. Well, that's the gift. Um, that's the gift you're giving them is the time for them to share. And I don't think, you know, I loved what you said about the, um, you know, the, the CEO pushes back says I don't have time. You know, I look at time as, uh, you know, time can be treated like a commodity. Either you invest it or you spend it. If you invest it and you use it wisely, it comes back, pays dividends. But if you look at it as a commodity and you're just spending it, then what happens is that's how you treat every, all the interactions is it's time-based. I only have so much time for this. I only have so much and you're cheating yourself and you're cheating the individual that you're inter you're interacting with. When you right. give them the when you give them the gift of your time and you invest in them, there's a whole lot more that comes back in the long run that sometimes isn't immediately measurable. Correct. So may I give you an example of something that happened to me a couple of weeks ago? We may have to take a break before we do that. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> I I think your story is going to be more than a minute. And so it's probably be a perfect time for a break. We have like 30 seconds, but um, um, I, I love the way we set this up because um, and it, it's kind of like, uh, Lori, it's kind of funny. It's like it's called confronting your host. You've, you've taught me so much in the first 30 minutes of this conversation. I'm thinking like, I thought I was a genius at listening. I'm, like, I'm good at listening, but I like the spin um, of how we're doing this. So yeah, I want to hear the story at the other end. So we're going to come back from, a break and we're going to engage in um, a conversation with Lori where she's going to share us a really good example of how this works. Um, stay tuned. This is going to be pretty cool. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We all struggle with relationship tensions in the home or at work or with a loved one. Often that tension causes us to avoid communicating with that individual because it usually ends up in a fight or an argument that only makes things worse. In the show Stop Telling and Start Listening, host David Cook shares the lessons of his personal experiences to help you engage in healthy, insightful conversations for healing broken or damaged relationships. After a successful professional career as a sales pro, executive, and consultant, David Cook discovered in a significant transformational way the impact a shift in listening had on the father-son relationship during his youngest child's struggles with a heroin addiction. After loving his son with various reactive behaviors of shame, guilt, criticism, judgment, David discovered that when he made a commitment to understand his son's struggles, to learn about the addiction journey from his son's perspective and meet him where he was in his addiction, David realized he was rebuilding their relationship in powerful, influential ways. David's show, Stop Telling and Start Listening, provides listeners guidance and insight to the powers of listening, selfless listening, 
Instead of avoiding the people we are struggling to understand or communicate with, David provides listeners with tools they can utilize to facilitate an authentic, safe sharing of personal and real perspectives and experiences. He teaches us how to navigate into areas of communication tension to help repair broken or damaged relationships, build trust with those we need to lead or support, and solve complex problems with impactful, lasting solutions. Join David on Mondays at 11 Pacific for a listening session that will help close the divide that exists or is developing between you and others in your community. You're listening to Stop Telling and Start Listening. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Or you can email Dave at dave at thecookgroupllc.com. Now, back to the show with David. All right, we're back. This is David Cook. Stop Telling and Start Listening with Lori Silverman, and we are talking about story and um, very interesting conversation about story as we're learning to um, ask questions, not to get information, but to create prompts for people to share stories and learn from them um, in that space. And it's it's a it's a powerful nuance, but it uh, it's very cool. So, Lori, before we before we took a break, you said you had a uh, an example that you wanted to share. And uh, as it related to the stuff that we were talking about, and so while it's fresh in your mind, and I hope it still is, um, go ahead, dive in, tell us what what you what uh, what I triggered and what you wanted to share before I rudely cut you off for break. Thank you. Um, so on uh, January twenty eighth, I started a thirty hour trek to Egypt. My first flight from Las Vegas was to Salt Lake City, and I had um, rejiggered my flight. So to 6 a.m. flight, so I would have a few hours to my international flight versus getting in like with 20 minutes to spare kind of thing. Um, And I was sitting in first class. A woman sat down next to me. She was very kind. She actually even asked if she could put my bag above. She was a little bit younger than me. Um, And I was very grateful for that. But, um, you know, normally at 6 a.m. in the morning, you're not talking to each other on a plane, right? Hmm. Um, Right. And even in first class, but she and I started to engage in a conversation and I'm not quite certain how it kind of kicked off, but there was a point when I remember asking her a prompt or two about the week she had just spent in Las Vegas. And it got her to tell me about a work situation that was going on for her. She's a senior executive. Um, in a smaller sort of organization, the executive meeting they had had that week was not a happy meeting. They were um, needing to talk about laying off people. Um, and then she talked about that kind of the celebration dinner they had had the, the, um, during the week as well, which was really fun. And I, what I recollect doing was asking her story prompts about her background. Just a couple. I don't remember what they are right now because that wasn't the focus of my brain at that time. But when we got to the part, as you and I talked about, with getting her to reflect on her own situations and the learnings that she had from them, I had her do that for a couple of different parts of her career because I had this, I'm an extremely intuitive person. 
I mean, to the point sometimes of being prescient where I can have a knowingness about someone or a situation before someone has that knowingness. And I just knew that in that moment, this woman needed to change jobs. I, I can't tell you how I knew that. I don't think she realized it. I don't think that's where she was. Um, but the conversation was such as we started to reflect on, you know, what is it, you know, you know, tell me what you learned, what is the meaning of these situations and stuff. There was a point when I did add something to the conversation, because you asked me about that earlier, like, when can you talk? Mm -hmm. And what I did was to connect the dots for her. And to say, I've heard you had this experience and this experience and this experience. For me, as someone who's coached CEOs, executives, chairmen of the board, other leaders, it would seem to me that in your life, you're ready for X, Y, Z position. And I do not know why I said that. Now, you and I might say, oh, that's you know interesting, right? Like Lori said that. And she kind of reflected on it a little bit, kind of looked at me kind of like with this, huh? you know, sort of look expression on her face. And off we went. The flight ended. She took my bag down. She went one direction. I went another direction, right? About a week ago, three weeks into my trip to Egypt, I get a very lengthy LinkedIn letter from her. Mm -hmm. And it says, it says to me, every word you said stuck in my brain. Everything mm -hmm. you talked about stuck in my brain. It is going to change my life. You've mm. changed my life. And now that wasn't my intention. <laughs> my intention was, you know, I didn't want to fall asleep at six o'clock in the morning. You know? And I was just having kind of a lively conversation when people are leaving Vegas. Usually they have a fun time. But um, what really struck me about that, and I, and I haven't written her back a full thoughtful response. I've just written to say, hey, you know, I'm getting back from my trip. You know, I've read your letter several times um, and want to reflect on it is I want to let her know that it was she did it, not me. She did it. She did it because she chose to tell the stories. She did it because she chose to reflect. She did mm -hmm. it because she chose to listen too. Mm -hmm. And so the reason I'm wanting to do that is to also give her the gift of empowerment because that's what these prompts do. They empower people to change their lives. They empower people to solve their own problems. They empower people to have their own realizations, sometimes way before they're ready for them. Mm -hmm. She paid attention to that. And I, and I just wanted to share that because for me, I was surprised because I was headed off, you know, on a spiritual pilgrimage. I wasn't like thinking about business at all. And yet just taking those moments to use the sorts of skills that you and I are talking about using story prompts, not questions, and then eventually getting to the point of you know, connecting the dots or tying together what she's saying, but elevating the conversation and saying, you know, have you thought about, you know, it seems to me like you're ready for X, Y, Z sort of situation. And where do you live right now? Because she said she had just moved and she had moved to an area um, of a state that I used to live in and where I'd done business. So I kind of knew a little bit about it and just said, well, you know, you could have these sorts of conversations. And when she had those conversations and started to ask for stories from other people, 
she found connections that were surprising to her. Mm-hmm. Like literally, oh my gosh, I'm researching this company and it's one, I don't know if it was her uncle or her grandfather had worked for or knew the owner of it or something. I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, so the world became really small and it became doable. Like the sort mm-hmm. of change you talked about that might've felt like it was monolithic and like, oh my gosh, how could I ever? Was like, I can, I could do that. Like it's mm-hmm. feasible, you know? I know people who know people. And, and, I, and I share this and I don't wanna be more specific because it would kind of give away, I think, um, uh, a little bit more about who this person is. But I, I think we can't ever take for granted the power of the prompt. Mm-hmm. And the power of listening delightedly. And then as people process and they connect, and we have the opportunity to then share. But again, if you listen to what I said, I wasn't adding information about me. I was adding information about her right. and helping her to see things that potentially weren't revealed yet to her in that moment. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, you know, as I was listening to this, I was thinking that that whole thing is the the, the natural evolution of it. When we go um, for information, a lot of that stuff is, you know, what I would call head answers. It's like, what is, what's in my head? Tell me, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then what you're saying is, is you know, um, tell me about, so it's a story. Those things are, those are, they were, you're more attached to them. It's more heart stuff um, in my, kind of like the way I filtered that. And if I'm sharing with you something that's de- that that I'm deeply attached to intellectually and emotionally, okay, it's very personal to me in some form. And then you make it personal because you said, tell me, you know, share with me how you felt about that. I probably used the wrong words again, but anyway, or what did you learn from that? Um, it's getting deeper into that. Once, once something, I've always found this, when something leaves my mouth, I go, gosh, did I just say that? And I hear myself saying it, it becomes more true as if you say, this is what I think I heard. It's more like, blah, and I go, oh my gosh, it's out. And it's like, now what am I going to do with this now that it's out? You're pointing to it you're going, yeah, look, Dave, it, you're right, it's out. What, you know, so tell me how you feel about that. Now I'm in a whole different mindset because I can't deny or ignore the reality of something that came out that I've been keeping in for the longest time, either intentionally or unintentionally. Right. And and I want to share something else around that because you know that my first reaction was, you know, it makes me kind of sound like a bartender, right? <laughs> like a patron at the bar. You know, bartenders are phenomenal listeners. Those who are really good are phenomenal listeners. But there's another piece of this too, and I don't recall if I did it with her, but I might have, is that when you sense that someone might have um some sensitive information that needs to be shared and it would be valuable to the conversation. Another way of doing a prompt, and this might seem counterintuitive to everything we've talked about so far, is for you to tell us, start to tell a story about yourself that relates to a similar type of situation Hmm. or a similar type of feeling. So um, um, an example I might give, this is not what happened in that that, um, call, but I've been um, uh, bullied a large part of my life in two ways. One is uh, body image and and body appearance and the um, and body shaming, I guess you'd call it from a bullying perspective. But the other is in terms of the work that I do in the data analytics arena. And when I'm working with people, if I sense that 
maybe one of those two might have um, a connection to them and relate to the conversation. But for me to reveal, here's a situation that happened, as soon as they start to tell their own story, because they're almost always going to interrupt me, mm -hmm. I stop talking because I did not tell the story for me to tell the story. I told the story to say, I've had an experience. I'm willing to listen to yours. Right. And that so I, so you got to shut up then too, right? And and it's not, I'm never going to tell the rest of it unless they ask later on. But they're quite mm -hmm. frankly, not really all that interested. They want to just tell theirs. Um, and so I, I may have in that conversation with this woman, I think when we started to talk a little bit about laying off people, I think I may have shared a situation about a CEO that I knew who, when he had to lay off people, went in the bathroom and, and vomited. Yeah. And, and started to say that. And then she revealed more like that, that, that she got that piece because that's yeah. how you often feel. Um, so then that just opened the floodgates for more of those connections that you said to the more heartfelt piece of what's going on and what really occurred. Yeah. Wow. All right. You believe it or not, we ran out of time. <laughs> this was, this is so good. I have you know, always appreciate the conversations that we have, and uh, but this one was very specific to what you do and how what we can learn from the things that you've learned and that you share with people. So, Laura, I do want to thank you. Um, I didn't get a chance to do some promo work for you, but it, at least it's Lori Silverman, and um, Lori's email is PF Progress Partners for Progress at AOL.com is the best way to get a hold of her. Um, I wish I could give you more information, but I'm going to run out of time. So start there. Lori Silverman on LinkedIn or pfprogress at AOL.com. Lori, this is, uh, and also you have the book, um, what was it called again? Storytelling for Dummies? Business Storytelling for Dummies. Business Storytelling for Dummies. Great book. I have a copy of it and I, I could autograph the page I'm on if you buy the book. So anyway, <laughs> Lori, thank you so much. Um Next week, we're going to have um, Karen Nowicki on. Karen has a very, very interesting story. So you're going to want to uh, um, join me on that call because uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the prompts that I learned today to uh, engage uh, Karen in a conversation about her experiences and where that journey has taken her and what she's learned from it, how it empowers her. So this is going to be a nice stepping stone to the next guest next week. Lori, this is like awesome. And for everybody else, uh, enjoy your week. Just remember, open your heart, open your ears, open your mind, and start listening. Because once you start listening, everything changes. This is Dave Cook. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Stop Telling and Start Listening. We hope you've picked up on some useful ideas to help you enhance your conversational skills. Until we listen again, have a beautiful week. Become our